You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus chapter 7. As just a way of review, we just want to go over what we've done. This is the fourth part in our study on thinking thankful. Um, First week we discussed who our thanks should be directed to. We said that God obviously is the one who should be receiving of our thanks. He's the main, main source of our thanks should be given to the Lord. He's deserving of it. He's requiring of our thanks. We are responsible... As his, create, as his creatures, as his created beings, to be thankful in all situations. We are to be thankful to God, and we are to express our thankfulness to him. And then, because of the way we express our thankfulness to the Lord, it's going to be no problem for us to express our thankfulness to others as well. That was in the first week. The second week, we discussed what we should be thankful for. And we used Hannah, the mother of Samuel, as our example in that. We pulled out four things that she was thankful for in her answered prayer for Samuel, her son. And we said that was the salvation of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord, his wisdom, and that he was in control of all things. Those were the things that Hannah was thankful for and she praised the Lord for in the gift of Samuel, her son. And then she obviously gave Samuel back to the Lord. In last week, we talked about when and where should we be thankful. And we talked about how we should be thankful in times of affliction, how we should be thankful in times of bounty, thankful in times of need, Thankful as we grow in our faith, and then we will be thankful for all eternity, and we will express that thankfulness to the Lord for all eternity as well. And I kind of ran out of time last week, so I kind of rushed at the end. I apologize for that. should have tried to cut out some of the material there and try to make it more condensed and more to the point, but we kind of ran long in some areas. I do apologize for that, rushing at the end. But I believe we did receive from the Lord that which we needed last week. Today we're going to talk about the how and the why. Now all this really, I mean really we could have all condensed this all into each individual lesson, the how and the why. It's all part of it. Nothing of them really separate. For in my mind though, to kind of grasp it and get it into something that's usable for you, that's how I had to think about it. The First the what, then the when, the how, the what, um, the where. Today we were talking about the how and the why. Hopefully this, obviously, is not going to be monotonous this morning. We've already talked about it three weeks. Obviously, pastor's got a message to preach this morning, and we have Thanksgiving coming up. But I know that if we truly look in our hearts, I think we will put ourselves in that attitude, in that aspect that we need to be in our life, that we're truly thankful. We truly think about that. So let's look here in Leviticus chapter 7. Obviously, not necessarily the easiest place to start on a Sunday morning. Not the easiest read, but let's open in a word of prayer before we get in the word. Dearly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time that we can open your word, Lord. We thank you for the many blessings in our life, Lord. We do thank you for your goodness, Lord, that which brings us to repentance, Lord, that which brings us salvation, Lord, and just all the many wonderful things you have done in our lives, Lord, the many blessings that we have in this country, Lord, and in this church, individually, Lord. Lord, there's so many things we have to be thankful for. Lord, and yet so, so often we don't see it, so often we're not thankful. Lord, I pray that you just change our hearts this morning. Help us to be thankful as you desire. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here in Leviticus chapter 7, we're going to read verse 11 through verse 18. 
And this is talking about the peace offerings. And there's two types of peace offerings mentioned here. There's a sacrifice of peace offerings for thanksgiving, and there's also the sacrifice of peace offerings for vows. We're going to focus on the peace offerings for thanksgiving just a little bit, just to get us in that mindset so we understand from the scripture what was required for the, the Israelites when they, were, when they were going to give their offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. Verse 11, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for a heave offering unto the Lord, and it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave of it, any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering be a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth of it shall bear his iniquity. Here we're talking about the, the thanksgiving offering, the peace offering of thanksgiving. We find here that God does set a time frame for the, for the Israelites when they offer this offering of thanksgiving on how quickly they need to consume this sacrifice. We see that the majority of it should be eaten the same day. If it's a voluntary offering, if you're giving it voluntarily, it needs to be eaten the same day, consumed the same day. And then we talk about the, the vow offering, that it needs to be consumed within third day. That if you eat it after that, you know, it's going to be an abomination to you. And the soul that eateth of it shall bear the iniquity. It would be an iniquitous thing for us to extend that out. And I think there's some points in here. Obviously, like I said, it's Leviticus. It's sometimes tough for us to understand this. So I just want to give us the basic mindset of what I see here in the Scripture. With the Thanksgiving offering, it's supposed to be consumed same day. In the Thanksgiving offering, the person was also supposed to offer unleavened bread combined with oil. In addition to the leavened, or he was supposed to be unleavened bread combined with oil. And this was part of the offering. Give this unleavened bread, these cakes that they were supposed to make, the unleavened bread. They were also supposed to offer leavened cakes. And of these cakes, one was supposed to be a heave offering, thrown aside, given to the priest. And I'm not focusing on the whole priestly office this morning. We just want to look at these these aspects of this offering, he was supposed to give it to the priest for the priest to eat and for the priest to have, for the priest to use. Now we know in the scriptures that leaven is a symbol of sin or worldliness, right? We know that. that Leaven is that aspect, they're the type of sin. We know that the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And that was specifically pointed out that they were supposed to offer these cakes with oil. And that was the cakes that were the unleavened bread. And we know that unleavened bread in the scripture is symbolic, obviously, of the Lord Jesus. When we look at communion, that was symbolic of him from the very beginning. But it's also a symbol of holiness. That unleavened bread is a symbol of holiness. So they were supposed to give the leavened bread, the unleavened bread, and 
the bread was supposed to be, the unleavened bread was supposed to be cooked with oil. The Holy Spirit. So let's break this down into some application that we can use. When we are prompted of the Lord to be thankful, to give an offering to the Lord, we must take action immediately. That was the time frame that was set on the offerings. This needed to be done in a certain amount of time. So when we are voluntarily giving to the Lord, we need to make sure that we fulfill that vow, that offering, immediately, as soon as possible. Here in the scriptures, it was one day that this whole offering was supposed to be consumed. Whatever they were offering to the Lord was supposed to be consumed in one day. This involves worship through giving. This act of offering these sacrifices was the way that they worshipped the Lord through their peace offering of thanksgiving here in the scriptures, here in the Israelite time. So we need to give of the Lord those things which are holy first. That was the unleavened bread. Give of the Lord those things which are holy. That would be our mind, our will, our emotions, the spiritual aspect of our life. That aspect of our life needs to be given to the Lord to be used. If we think of Romans 12, it teaches us, Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. When you present your body to the Lord, that aspect of your spiritual life to the Lord, your mind, your will, and your emotions to the Lord, he uses that as a holy sacrifice to be used in his work. And obviously we can't do that. We can't live out our lives as that living sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord unless we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's where the oil would play a part as a type here in this offering of thanksgiving that we need to first offer ourselves as a living sacrifice through the filling of the Holy Spirit, secondly. And then thirdly, but in addition, we have this offering of the leavened bread. That leavened bread, that thing that we say is associated with sin or worldliness or carnality. So when we offer that leavened bread, what does that mean to us? That would mean our carnal things, such as our money, our time, our possessions, our talents. These things that are temporal and physical to us, we need to also offer of those. Obviously, we need to offer our body as that living, holy sacrifice to the Lord, used through the filling of the Holy Spirit. But then we need to be willing to give of those carnal things that have been trusted to us to the Lord as well. What tends to happen, though, and again, this needs to happen immediately, as we saw the time frame here, because what tends to happen to us is that when we're prompted of the Lord to give or to sacrifice in some area, and we put it off, it tends to never get done. We tend to never go back and do it. When we're tempted, we're, we're, we're prompted, not tempted, prompted to write a note of thanks to somebody, or to just give a word of encouragement to somebody, or give a special offering to somebody, and we hold off, we don't do it immediately, we usually forget and it usually doesn't get done. At least I know that's the way it is in my life. I'm sure it is in, our, in a lot of you as well. That when we, when we procrastinate in this area of thanksgiving, it doesn't get done. You know, now the person that we were intending on giving something to, either a card or money or whatever, meeting somebody's need, they don't know that we intended it, right? Unless we specifically told them. But the Lord does know what we intended to do. He knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. He knows that we intended on giving to him and then we held back that which he had prompted us to give. So that's why it's important for us not to put aside when the Lord has prompted us to give in that area of thanksgiving. Because that's what our giving does, right? It shows that we are thankful to the Lord 
And remember, being thankful is an action requiring the use of our hands. Okay, it requires us to do something to show to the Lord that we are thankful. So the true how and why of our thanks is really summed up as this. We must first give of ourselves to the Lord as a holy part of the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We must give of the material things to the Lord as well. It all must be done immediately upon prompting because it is our reasonable service. If we were created to please God, which we were, and we intend on bringing Him pleasure, we have to do these things to show to Him that we are thankful. So that is the aspect of Leviticus chapter 7, I believe we can receive this morning. If we think about that attitude and the offering of thanksgiving, and how do we look at it in our lives when we are prompted to give? We look at it truly as an offering of thanksgiving, and then when we are prompted to give or meet a need, do we hold back from it? Another condition, though, we've, we've talked a lot about what we should be doing as believers and how we should be thankful. But let's look here now in the scriptures before we conclude this series. Now, what is the condition of an unthankful believer? A believer who is unthankful. Turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. The opposite, not necessarily the character, but uh, it could be character, what, it, what we do in place of being thankful so often as unbelievers. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to just read verse 1 through 4. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Here in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul lists for us things that we should not be doing and in place of those things, we should be rather giving thanks. Talking to believers here, it's easy then to assume that these things that we should not be doing are in direct conflict with the giving of thanks. That if we are told, don't do these things, but rather give thanks, if we are engaged in these things, we are probably not going to be thankful as we should. If we have a thankful heart, we will not engage in these things that are listed here. And vice versa, if we engage in these things, we are not giving of thanks as we should. So let's look at these areas really quickly here. First thing that he names is fornication or sexual sin. If we are thankful for the purity the Lord has given to us, the ability to serve him out of purity, for the body that we have been given, and the life we have been given to serve God, and the desire he has for us to be pure, we will not engage in gratifying our flesh through fornication or sexual sin. It's not going to be part of that if we are truly thankful as the Lord desires us to be. See, fornication is a means of bringing pleasure to ourselves. It's a means of gratifying ourselves. It's temporary. It brings temporal satisfaction, but it doesn't bring pleasure to God. And we do not respect the purity that the Lord has given to us and the ability to live pure through the filling of the Holy Spirit it's obvious we, we are not thankful to the Lord for his holiness. Remember, Hannah prayed and thanked the Lord for his holiness. If we engage in this sort of activity, we're not thankful to the Lord for the holiness of the Lord and his purity. The second aspect the Apostle Paul points out is uncleanness. Now, this is not talking about our bathing habits necessarily. It may be a part of it, but not really. If we look at this word uncleanness here, it's specifically talking about lustful, 
luxurious, and profligate living. I could say it's talking about Hollywood, New York City, or Washington, D.C. Okay? Lustful, luxurious, or profligate living. And you know, if we were to look at it, those areas of our country kind of define luxurious, lustful, and profligate living. And that is an area, that's the area of uncleanness that we need to avoid as believers if we want to be truly thankful. We wonder why those areas of the world are so unthankful, so, so unthankful in those parts of the country. Why New York City is so hard, why Washington DC, there's nothing good there, and Hollywood as well. Why? Because they're living their lives in an area in uncleanness. You know, but in our lives, if we look at those three cities in America, so much of us, myself, so many people in this world, we look at those three cities and they dictate our whole philosophy of life. That whole philosophy of a lot of people's lives is either dictated by the movies, it's dictated by the financial district, or it's dictated by politics. Those three areas of our life, or those three cities in America, dictate, dictate a lot of areas of people's lives. And that's an area of uncleanness that we need to address if we want to be truly thankful as believers. God wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to be content. And this satisfaction does not come through the uncleanness of the world. So much of the time we have our mindset thinking that these things do make us happy, that these things do make us successful, but really it's an area of uncleanness in our life that leads to us being unthankful and ungrateful what the Lord has given to us. Third aspect that the Apostle Paul addresses here, Ephesians chapter 5, is covetousness. Now, obviously, this could fall in line with some of those aspects of uncleanness. And, you know, we're coming into Christmas time after Thanksgiving, and, you know, kids, they tend to have a lot of covetousness moving into Christmas time. Something that you really got to work on, at least with my kids, you do. It runs rampant. But, you know, it runs rampant among adults as well. Now, maybe it's not the toys and the trinkets and everything that the kids really desire. You know, maybe ours is we're covetous of the island vacation that somebody's taken in February. You know, or we're covetous of their, the new car that somebody got, or the new home that they have, or, or the way their home appears. Those different aspects of people's lives, we focus on the big things as adults to be covetous. But either way, covetousness leads us to be unthankful. And this is something that the Apostle Paul says, don't be covetous, but give thanks. Covetousness steals our joy, and it definitely steals our thankfulness. If we are a believer that cannot enjoy when others are successful, and we are not, we truly have an co- unthankful heart. And we need to repent of this. We need to get rid of this covetousness if we truly want to be thankful. And there's no better time than when we think of thanksgiving to look in our own heart and see what are the things that I have, what are the things that, I, and these are the things I should be grateful for and thankful for to the Lord, not the things that I don't have. We can't be looking at what we don't have and judging our thankfulness, because we're just going to be covetous of those things. We're going to be, if we looked at the things that we don't have and say, Lord, why haven't you given those? That's an unthankful heart. You know, if we think about the pilgrims when they came over here, we mentioned them a little bit last week. When they came over here, there was 102 passengers on the Mayflower. And they, because of the storms, they were on the boat for about seven, seven weeks. They stayed in the tween deck. And I don't know if you know how big the tween deck was on the Mayflower, but it was about 80 by 24 feet. So about the size of a volleyball court. 102 people, the size of a volleyball court, for seven weeks. 
and no complaining. And no complaining recorded. I don't know about you, but I don't think 102 of us could live in this, this church for very long before there'd be less than 102. <laughs> right? We don't have that level of patience, but the pilgrims did because they knew what they, their mission was. Their mission was to please God. That they were just pilgrims on this earth here to please God. So they stayed that whole time, that space of a volleyball court, five and a half feet tall, too. So, what is that? I'm barely five and a half. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. So, five and a half feet tall is all the space was. If you talk about being claustrophobic, I don't think you had any room for that then. But, uh, you know, and they didn't complain about it. How, how little has to come into our lives to affect our living conditions for us to complain? You know, if we have a plugged drain in the sink, we're all about complaining immediately, right? The simple annoyances cause us to complain and to be covetous of what others have in a different situation in life. We need to be thankful to the Lord for what he's blessed us with. You know, but when these pilgrims, they were in this small, confined space for this extended period of time, God had molded their hearts to the point that they were compact. They were, they were unified. They, they, were, they were as a group of one mind and one heart. And that's why they were able to establish a system of government based on free people. The first time in the history of this world where free people had covenanted together to establish a system of laws on which they could live. Because the Lord had molded their hearts together. Not because of just the situation where they were in but because of the fact that they didn't complain in that situation, they were thankful through it all. The fourth aspect that we find here in Ephesians chapter 5 is filthiness. This would be obscenity, baseness, dishonor. I believe this has to do with our conversation, obviously. Our conversation can be obscene, but it also has to do with our appearance, as well as the way we act out different aspects of our life. We must not engage in conversation or behavior that is obscene. And we should also not offer to God that which is base or dishonorable. Those things which are secondhand, we shouldn't offer to God. We need to give God the best of what we have, not those things that are base or dishonorable. You know, a lot of us, you know, it's not a requirement to come to church wearing a certain type of clothing. But what you should do when you come to church into the house of God and that one day a week that we set aside to worship you should be able to wear the best that you have. And that's all that's required of the Lord. He doesn't ask that we give a lot. He's asked that we give our best. And so many of us, we need to work on that. And we need to consider that in our own life. Are we giving to the Lord our best when we show up to the house of God to worship him? That's an aspect of being filthy. Also, obviously our cleanliness plays a part in, being in that filthiness. But that's an aspect of the, that the Apostle Paul points out is an area we need to address if we want to be truly thankful. Because what we also show to others by our appearance and the way we speak, those things, it shows us what we think about God. If we claim to be a Christian and yet we dress and we speak and we act just like the world or even lower, what do we say about what God has done in our life? We say that God hasn't done anything in our life and yet we know God has done everything in our life. So we need to consider that. In our attitude of thankfulness, we need to consider our appearance. Is not God worthy of one day of sacrificing what we do and what we wear and what we say to come to the house of God and give him our best in an attitude of worship to him and thanksgiving one day a week? We don't come to church dressed well to please pastor or to please others or to make others look at us. 
We're coming here to worship the Lord. And that needs to be an aspect of our worship that we consider to put these things aside. The fifth aspect, foolish talking or jesting. You know, joking and foolish talking is something that's easy to engage in, especially for me. It's easy for me to get carried up and carried away in these sort of talking and conversations. But giving of thanks is more important and should be prominent as opposed to foolish talking and jesting. One of the meanings of foolish talking could be buffoonery. <laughs> if we think of that, being a buffoon. Nobody would like to be called a buffoon. But, you know, so often we engage in buffoonery as opposed to giving of thanks. These things are not as important. These things actually probably hold us back from bringing pleasure to God. A lot of the time our foolish talking ends up leading us down a path where now we become aggravated or we start having conflict with the people. You know, it starts off as simple jesting and uh, picking on people, and then it turns to bullying, and then it turns to somebody getting upset. And we see this happening a lot, you know, in schools today where kids get upset and they come in with a gun, right? That started with that foolish talking and jesting, and then it progressed to something worse. That's what we need to be careful in our own lives. We need to make sure that we are, instead of engaging in this sort of conversation, we are giving of thanks to the Lord. One more passage of Scripture real quickly. I'm going to read the whole passage. Psalm 107. You're not going to be in Psalm 107 today, are you, Pastor? Good. Okay. Good. Psalm 107. I believe it's a good passage that shows us our attitude as we wrap this series up on thinking thankful, being thankful to the Lord I'm going to receive, I believe I can read these 43 verses pretty quickly. They're not very long. And then we can discuss them really quickly. Psalm 107. Follow along. I'm going to read fairly quickly. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression, and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he, sat, and he saveth them out of their distresses. Verse 20, He sent his word, and healed them, and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. 
They mount up to the heaven, they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the assembly of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation. And so the fields and plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase, he blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, and causeth them to wander in the wilderness, when there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. Verse 42. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. As we look at this passage of Scripture, over and over again it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. First off, here in Psalm 107, we'll go over this really quickly. I'll just hit some key points. First thing we do, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We, as redeemed of the Lord, need to say so that we are redeemed. Romans 2, 4 says, O despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. We need to say and speak about the goodness of the Lord and be thankful for it. His mercy endureth forever. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. It's not of anything we have done. It's not of our works. It's not of our financial planning. It's not of all the things that we do in our lives. Now that may part, play a part in it. God may use that, but it's not because of that. It's because of God's mercy and his love for us and his goodness to us that we are not consumed. He has brought us out of darkness and revealed to us the light of his son, the Lord Jesus, so that we might be saved. He satisfieth our longing soul that in and of itself could not meet its own needs. But as we cried unto him for mercy, and as we cry unto him for mercy, he does not withhold his mercy or his grace from us. It says here that it break their bands in sunder. It is of the Lord's mercy that rather than keeping us locked in the prison of our sin and our sinfulness and that condition that we were born into, rather than keeping us locked up in that, he has broken us free from the bonds that enslaved us and imprisoned us and allowed us to live a life pleasing to him through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Even though we sat in rebellion against him, he showed mercy to us. We were not on the right paths or course in life. In fact, our feet were only walking towards the paths in the way of wickedness. We were foolish, afflicted, and despising of all spiritual meat. But when we came to the end of ourselves, the Lord's mercy met us there, and he saved us out of our trouble. That's what Psalm 107 is going through and showing to us, clearly here in the scriptures, of how the Lord has blessed us in our lives. How often have we been saved from the destructions that we have created, We've created destruction in our life, but yet the Lord in his mercy has saved us from that destruction. How many storms of life have we been through and the Lord sustained us and brought us through and caused us to be glad and to rejoice when it was over? 
How many times in our life has it seemed barren, unfruitful? Uh, we were unable to produce anything worthwhile, and yet the Lord is able to turn these times of want into times of great blessing and fruitfulness in our lives. Sometimes, though, we are just too blind to see it, and we don't, aren't able to recognize and to understand what the Lord has done in our lives. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and His wonderful works to the children of men. Psalm 107 shows us over and over and over again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. You know, mankind and Americans specifically, we are horribly lacking in our thankfulness to God. I know we've seen that throughout this series this month. I hope you've seen that in your own heart and I know I've seen in mine. And that we would change our thinking so that we would not only just think more thankful in our lives, but we would act out that thankfulness, that we would be thankful in our lives. Verse 42 and 43 says, The righteous will see it, the goodness of the Lord. The righteous will see how the Lord is good to us and His wonderful works to us in all situations, good or bad, that we think, you know, if we were to label them good or bad, in either the good situations, God is good. In the bad situations, God is good. And he is doing wonderful works in our hearts. It says, the righteous will see it and rejoice. The iniquity of our mouths will be stopped. If we are wise, we will observe and understand that the Lord's loving kindness is great. So are we wise today? Are we thinking as the Lord would have us to think? Do we see the Lord's loving kindness and his mercy and how great it is? And looking back at last week, as we touched on really quickly, you know, Revelation 7:12 said, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. This is our eternal response to the Lord. But shouldn't we get started on it right now? Wouldn't it be a good thing that we would have that attitude of thankfulness and praise to the Lord that we are going to have for all eternity? I think it would. So just to recap, we'll go over it just to close out what we did this month, who of our thankfulness? Obviously God. He desires our thanks. He requires our thanks. We need to be thankful for his salvation, for his holiness, for the wisdom of the Lord, that he's in control of all things. And a grateful heart will give back to the Lord that which he has given to us in all the areas we have been blessed. We won't hold back. We won't have a closed fist when the Lord asks us to give. And because we open our hand to give, we will also be able to receive from the Lord. The where and the when of our thanks. Think of Psalm 119, 62. At midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. That's something that I haven't been able to get out of my, my mind, that the first thing I do when I rise up in the morning is give thanks to the Lord. I'm hoping to keep that. I don't want to let it go after I'm done studying this month. But that we would think the first thing we do in the new day is arise and give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord at midnight. In times of affliction, in times of bounty, in times of need, in times when our faith is increased, and then, of course, for all eternity. So, as we recap today, we need to give of ourselves as a living sacrifice. Give of our time, our talents, our possessions, the carnal things of life, these physical things of life that we have, that we have been entrusted by the Lord. We need to give of those things. And we need to give to the Lord the best that we have. Because we are created for God, by God, for His pleasure. And if the created being cannot praise its Creator and thank its Creator, we're not fulfilling our purpose, right? We're not fulfilling our purpose if we as a created being cannot give thanks to the Lord as we should. So just to go over these verses really quick, Psalm 107, just the key verses, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And I pray that we would all understand the loving kindness of the Lord today. Let's pray. 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.